Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast with your hosts, Jessica McIntyre and Quentin Cools. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Welcome to season four of the Team Packed Podcast. We are talking about leadership throughout this series, and our topic today is the call of a leader. I will be interviewing my co-host on the Team Pack podcast, Quinton Cools, who serves as Vice President of Operations and Director of Communications at Team Pack Leadership Schools. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Team Packed podcast. We are back for our what is this fourth season, Quinn? Yeah, season four. My gosh, and I am ready to go. I'm excited. It is. Well, it feels early morning, but it's not actually early morning. I've just been here since an ungodly hour with a lot of coffee. I think I added two extra shots to it, so I'm ready to go. Are you ready, nice. Quinn? I uh, I do have some Starbucks in hand. Uh, I also had an early morning, but that was due to my two toddlers. Um, my son, Benjamin, who's two, got out of his crib at, I don't know, 6 or 6.30, walked over to his sister's bed, threw all of his stuffed animals into the bed, oh woke her up. Uh, so then they're both up and I hear them. So I go into their room and I'm exhausted. So I ended up just laying down on the bed with them, oh fell asleep goodness. for like 30 minutes, then went downstairs. So early start for both of us. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about leadership. Um, I think this will be a really fun topic. I, as I was thinking about it, I was like, what does Team Pack do? <laughs> And then I was like, oh gosh, Quinn. And then I was like, oh wait, Team Pact Leadership Schools. Corny, I know. But leadership is something that for over 25 years of our history, we've been developing, working on, trying to improve, trying to grow leaders. So I think it's a great topic for season four. Yeah, I love it. And so um, getting into that, let's just jump right into leadership. Over the next handful of episodes, we'll be talking a little bit more specifically about some different things. But in all honesty, let's get down to the basic questions. Quinn, I'm going to ask you some questions about leadership, and we're going to start with a very basic one. Is a leader born or are they made? This seems like a really fundamental question um, and maybe an obvious answer but let's unpack it a little bit. Okay. Um, well, I think about at, I don't know, when, when you're first growing up, you, there's some, some kids that have like really strong, you might call them leadership skills. Like they're the leader of the pack. They're the ones that are seen like they're the, they're the one telling the other kids what to do. Um, I didn't think I was that for a long time, but when I look back on like my, maybe my middle school years where like after church on Sunday, it's me and this posse of like three or four other friends and we're, you know, just running in, in, in and around the church building or whatever. Um, I realized like I had a lot of say so with where we went and how we did things. And even, you know, up through high school, you know, saying, Hey, are we going to play basketball? Or are we going to play ultimate Frisbee? Like, so I think there's a, there is a part of it where it's like, you can see kind of natural, uh, maybe born inbred tendencies or, or I don't know. I don't know if that comes with the personality or mm -hmm. certain upbringing or whatever, but you do see like a difference in one person versus another person, at least in how they lead. Mm -hmm. um, what, what are those differences though? So I think 
like, especially with how vocal people are, like how they communicate, um, I think some leaders naturally tend toward like a, a very vocal communication where, where they are the ones like telling other people what they're going to do and how they're going to do it and whatever. Um, and then there's other people who their way of leading is much more subtle, which maybe that gets to the fundamental like definition that w- we often use it at Teen Pact. We say leadership is influence. Mm-hmm. And like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like in some ways influence, you know, is the most fundamental part of leadership. Um, and so in that sense, everyone is a leader, right? So everyone's called to leadership. It's not, it's not like the vocal people uh, who were born this way, they get to be the leaders and nobody else gets to be a leader. Um, but it's also not like, okay, it's the people that do all the hard work become the leaders. Like there's, I think there's a sense in which everyone's a leader. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> insert uh lady gaga i was born this way (laughs) no it's fine um i told you i had a lot of coffee um but you you talked about two things that i think we kind of need to first define um firstly yeah to answer your question i would wholeheartedly agree like we are all called to be leaders because we are all called to be influencers one thing you touched on was some of those particulars as far as maybe how loud a person is or just those natural tendencies that do lend itself to um, what we typically perceive as high quality leadership. Yeah, exactly. Leadership qualities. So um, loud or um, assertive. Yeah. Assertive can easily command a room. And you're right. Some of those things do come naturally. I think Sometimes we might place a wrong emphasis, though, on those qualities versus the actual influence and whatnot that they have. So, for example, I was reading about how in society today, we often equate loud specifically with strength. And yet, like you just said, there are sometimes those less naturally assertive people where maybe um, loud and assertive and dominant personality types, maybe, maybe that's not them. And yet they are strong people, but you might not see it right up front. And so I think then you have to also talk about influence. What does influence mean? So if you're to define influence, Quinn, how would you summarize that? Yeah, I think when you can move someone, um, not where you're physically moving them, but where you can you can help them grow or mature or make a decision or execute something where like you can by the words you say the ways that you care um the things that you do someone else moves um so when i think about influence you know you almost think about it in like physics you know where i'll be honest i don't think about physics all that much (laughs) okay to be honest i've never taken a physics class so anybody who's listening who has is probably going to totally roast us (laughs) Um, no, but, but where, you know, there, there's the simple calculation about, you know, an object moving at a certain speed, colliding with another object is Mm -hmm. going to produce some sort of change. And so leadership, when I think about in terms of influence, like that object is moving and you're trying to get something else to move, 
But I think the key, the quality is that it's moving in the right direction and Mm -hmm. it's moving at the speed that it needs to move and it's how it needs to move and so forth. And so to your exact point, perhaps a louder or more naturally assertive person might think, hey, like I can get stuff done doing it this way. But somebody might be a more effective leader when you think about influence where it might be a conversation. It might be, you know, a a request instead of a command. Like you see that in a lot of workplaces today, culturally, I think some of this is probably like generational stuff where like previous generations, you have like the dad that goes to the office and works at that same office for like 40 years, right? Um, And that guy can be told what to do over and over and over again. And he just, you know, he just kind of assumes that's the way that society is constructed and that's how it has to be done. With our generation, you're a millennial, so that's a weird thing. I'm not actually sure what the cutoff is. I was born in 97, which it really depends on who you ask. Okay. A lot of people say 97 is the cutoff gotcha. here. But it's somewhere in there. It's somewhere in there. I remember 9-11. So there you go. Okay. So I, I say millennial. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So like millennials and into Gen Z, and I'm, and I'm sure this is only going to continue, um, there's a sense in which I don't want to be told what to do. I want to be told why we're doing something and then I can get on board with what we are doing. So there's a big why before the what. And I think when you think about influence, to to truly become an effective leader, I think you have to you have to think about the end goal. The end goal is not for you to say all the right things, do all the right things. You are trying to move other people to do the right things and 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 get to where they need to be. And so it's not so much you doing it the way that is even most natural to you. Um, like there's going to be times where you need to lead differently. Like sports is a great example of this where, um, you know, there's certain team members on, uh, you know, a professional basketball team with different personalities. Some of them have totally different lifestyles, uh, some of them are religious, some of them are not, some of them are partiers, some of them are not, some of them work hard on defense, some of them don't, some of them come into the gym early to practice, some of them, you know, only show up when they are required to. And so for, you know, a team captain or for a coach, you have to somewhat adapt to how you relate to each of those players in order to compel them to draw them in, to kind of move them from where they are to where they need to be as an individual or as a team. And I think some people really struggle with that. Like there was, there was a coach that was hired. um, uh, He previously, I think was uh, the coach of the university of Michigan basketball team. And then he ended up being hired to a professional team, getting paid like $5 million a year. So that, and he got like a five-year contract. So this guy's getting wrong career, (laughs) $25 million. But he had such a, an abrasive way of, of, of teaching that it would work with his college players because they couldn't do any, anything about it. Like they needed to win their games and, you know, try to make it to the NBA or whatever. But for him, when he goes professional, he's dealing with grown men who have been doing this professional basketball thing for years. And now he's barking at them like he's, 
he's their, you know, commanding officer, you know, or drill sergeant type of a thing or something. And it's like, whoa, 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 time out. This is not working. And the players, you know, uh, it wasn't like a revolt or whatever, but they, they, they lost respect for him. And within a year he was fired. And so it's like, I think leadership, um, when like to be successful as a leader, you can't just assume that your like your style that you were kind of maybe born with or naturally kind of have developed over the years will work with every individual or in every situation or in every position and every job. I think there's some sense of adaptability that you have to have as a leader to truly be successful. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like that. I mean, kind of part of what you're getting at is if you're a leader, the goal isn't just to, yeah, be in charge, lead people well, make sure the outcomes are, you know, and outputs are all cranking out as high as possible. But if you're a leader, that means you are in the business of people first and foremost. And I think that is a great starting point. And that directly correlates with the whole influence thing. Um, Would you say that ultimately our why is all the same or are those different? Because you talked about, you know, there's a why before the what. Now, is the why always going to be the same and maybe the what is the different element there? Or what, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think the the why will change to each position and, you know, uh, you know, the expectations of a given job or leadership situation, certainly in, in kind of a nuts and bolts way. The why will change depending on if you're working for Coca-Cola or if you're working for Teen Pact. Um, your why is going to be different um, and the what is going to be different. You're either going to be putting on uh, classes for teenagers or you're going to be selling soda. Um, that said, I think for a Christian, um, there's there's a commonality with the why. Um, like when you think about leadership, uh, you know, you, you think about the greatest leader. You'd say Jesus is the greatest leader. Um, but what was his example of leadership? How did he choose to e- exhibit leadership? Um, I think this totally lends itself to what we we're talking about, about like, you know, dominant personalities that in American culture, American corporate culture, we think of as the leader. It's like Jesus didn't do that. Like there were times, sure, he was tossing those temple tables, mm-hmm. um, but there, but but the that vast majority of his life in ministry was a life of what, like of service, of caring for people, of like you said, being in the people business, like, mm-hmm. um, and I think, I don't know, when I think about leadership, there's a real sense in which, um to lead as a Christian really starts with not so much being a leader, but being a follower Mm. Um, because we're called first and foremost to follow Christ, follow Christ's example. And his example was to serve. And so there, there is this kind of upside down Mm -hmm. way of thinking about leadership where like, if you read all of these corporate business books in American culture about what makes a good leader, most of it's going to be the nuts and bolts of how to run a meeting and how to run a team and how to run a company and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Whereas Jesus is like, hold up, time out. I'm going to wash the feet of my followers, people who are under me, but 
even though I'm the one that's above them in the hierarchy of what we think of as leadership, I'm, I'm actually going to shift that paradigm, put that upside down and say, hey, actually to be a true leader, you're supposed to serve. And that's not something that comes easy to us. Like, and so for us as Christians to get to your, to the answer to your question, is the why the same? In many ways, yes, because we're supposed to follow Christ ourselves. And then our way of influencing others is to point them to Christ so that they would also follow Christ. Mm -hmm. So that, that fundamental why is the same. But I think in the way that's played out, if you're like in marketing at Coca-Cola or in marketing at Teen Pact, it's going to look very different in terms of like the why and the how and the what for the particular situation. But the deeper why of following Jesus and helping other people follow Jesus, I mean, that that's leadership. That's Christian leadership. Sure. That makes sense. Um, but that even that is still pretty broad. You're talking about servant leadership, the example of Christ. Can you maybe speak a little bit more specifically, maybe use some examples about what is very distinct about godly Christ-like leadership? Because it's very easy to say, I think especially kind of in, in Team Pact, if you're part of this circle, we, we throw around the phrase servant leadership a lot. I think we all have a general understanding of what that means. But sometimes people can take that idea, I think, in their head and, and kind of swing all the way to the other side of, okay, so maybe I'm not a figurehead leader, but now I'm a servant. And maybe that means just leading from behind always. And, and maybe that's true, but there is an element of you actually do have to lead. So what yeah, does that right. look like? What does godly leadership, whether it's the more upfront or more behind the scenes or somewhere in between, defining a little bit more specifically godly servant leadership? Yeah. So I think in our sinful pride, we often don't want to accept who God has made us to be and what he has called us to do. We often want something different. Um, we want to create our own identity and we want to kind of pursue our own dreams and desires and we don't submit those to the Lord. So what does that look like? That might look like, um, you know, somebody who is not gifted at public speaking, not gifted at working with large groups of people, is not a high energy or high capacity person, but who works, you know, 20 hours a day, five or six days a week, working their way up the corporate ladder in order to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. When if you were to take time to reflect on who God has created you to be, the gifts and abilities he's given you, that maybe that's not the position that you're going to most thrive in. That's not the position that you're going to most be able to influence people well in. And conversely, I think there's some people, and this this is probably more of where I fall, where there's leadership, uh, I don't know, there's, there's kind of a call to a kind of leadership that you almost don't want to answer the call. Like some people feel like, oh, that, that leadership position or season of life or whatever, that's below me. But sometimes people feel like, ah, oh, that's, that's too far out of reach. Like I don't, I don't want to be there. I felt that even coming to work for Teen Pact where mm -hmm. I, I almost wanted to like fall into obscurity, uh, go back 
to the Pacific Northwest, live my life there. But in my role at Teen Pact, uh, it, there's kind of a, a national presence that our team has mm-hmm. um, where people contact our office. They see our pictures on the website or at the bottom of emails or whatever. And there's a sense in which we're known publicly but we're not necessarily known on an individual level until we actually build that relationship with somebody. And to me, there's something a little bit intimidating about that. Like part of me doesn't want that. Part of me doesn't want to, uh, to have to make those harder decisions or to be in the limelight in some of those situations. But over the years, that increasingly became evident that God was like calling me to some of those things. So mm-hmm. like take, for example, Back in 2016, our vice president of operations, um, Aaron Watson, left Teen Pact that summer. And I'd been working for Teen Pact for maybe three and a half years at that point. Um, and there was a leadership void in our office team. We needed like somebody to help run some of the operations with Peter Martin. We needed somebody who could lead national convention. Like there were multiple things that were going on where it was like, okay, there's a leadership void there. And I realized that I've had experience running other events. I've had experience doing a business degree. Like there, there were certain things that were pretty evident that like, okay, like maybe the Lord has prepared me for an, a next step where it'd be almost easier to not take on additional responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but that summer was actually, I think, a really pivotal time for me where it was kind of accepting, all right, Lord, like if you're going to call me to more responsibility, I don't want to cower in the face of that call. Like mm-hmm. I want to respond to the call and say, yes, Lord. And so like that next year running national convention, I think this coming year will be the fifth year running national convention, which is wild because that's, you know, almost a thousand people at that event. And it's kind of intimidating at first, certainly. Um, but now it's become kind of a, a thing that I enjoy where there's kind of a, I feel at home doing that work. It feels, um, it feels like part of like what I think God has created me to do. And I've kind of slowly over the years kind of discovered more of those situations. So like right now that looks like I lead our youth group at, at church. And it's not like I don't try to be like the the leader at the center of the youth group or whatever, but I'm the one that sends out the emails saying, hey, we're meeting at this time and this is the topic and these are the groups we're going to, you know, that are going to um, gather and, you know, hey, we're going to do this, you know, game night and whatever. I'm also the one that teaches. I'm the one that, you know, organizes various activities and whatnot. So there's kind of a, an added responsibility that's grown over the years. Like I started as just being like a worship leader with the youth group. Then I was a small group leader at the youth group and, and, you know, but it was a time of discovery. And I think that, um, is an important part really for anyone in leadership. Um, but especially for believers, cause there's this element where you're, you're not, you know, I think unbelievers will not have, you know, the, the God of the Bible as a part of the equation. Right. But for us as believers, we're saying, no, God has uniquely gifted me to be a leader. How am I supposed to lead? Where am I supposed to lead? And that's going to change depending on certain seasons, certain positions, um, certain responsibilities that you're given. 
mm-hmm. um, the ways that you serve, the ways that you, you know, lead in all those different things. Mm-hmm. Wow. They, there's a lot we could unpack there. Um, that Rant last over. thing, <laughs> that last thing you said though, about God is part of that equation. Do you find that that makes it harder or easier when figuring out, okay, where do I go with this? What do I go with this? How do I develop these skills? What skills am I supposed to develop? Do you, do you get what I mean? Like, does that, Absolutely. Yeah. Does that make it harder or ought that make it easier? Well, we live in the age of information. So to me, I look at it and I think easier because you have access to more and you can get more like data. You can have personality assessments and you can have gift tests and you can have, mm-hmm. you know, all these things where, you know, you're able to like, have all these metrics to better understand. But then you get to this point of almost like paralysis. The more you know, the more you know you don't know. Exactly, (laughs) right. Or based on just how many opportunities exist. I I think it's safe to say that there's more opportunities today than there were for people, you know, thousands of years ago. Like there's so many different organizations and churches and ministries and businesses where like if you wanted to grow as a leader there are a plethora of opportunities like you drive down you drive down the uh you know down the highway um and what what do you see you know in like we live in the I I guess the team packed office is kind of in the Midlothian area which is like just south of Richmond and as you drive down any street you see hiring now hiring please come work for us. Please, please. We will pay you so much money. Right. Please. Specifically Starbucks. We will give you free coffee. Please. Just because they're short We will give staffed. you free movies if you work it's at the theater. Like, please, we will, you know, <laughs> you know, and everybody's hiring, right? So it's like, there's tons of opportunities to experience different positions, different responsibilities, different leadership, like moments, basically. Um, but to your point, and I think, I think there's a loaded question on purpose. I can tell. <laughs> no, I would never. <laughs> um, is that there comes a point where, okay, you've experienced a lot. You've done a lot of analysis. You've, you've had a lot of conversations. You've had a lot of journaling. You've reflected on like, okay, like, wait, <laughs> I've done all these different things, but where am I actually like called to invest? Like, where am I supposed to spend the majority of my time and energy and passion? Like, is it in this particular workplace? Is it in this particular type of position? Is it with these, you know, particular, you know, this particular gathered community? And for me, there was a conversation I had with my pastor. It was really, really helpful um, in identifying some of this. But we talked about the different ways that I was serving in ministries at my church. And at the time, you know, it wasn't every Sunday, but, you know, on a, on a regular basis, you know, once a month or once every two months, I was doing things like leading worship, um, running, uh, administration Sunday morning, leading our youth group, like, like directing that, um, leading worship, teaching, like there was, I don't know, five or seven different mm. like ministry functions. When leader of leaders. <laughs> <laughs> that I was a part of. And and he kind of just like wanted to call time out for a minute. Mm. And and for me, I'm I'm much more of a doer. And so it's like, oh yeah, do the next thing, do the next thing, and serve here and serve there and serve there. And he said, Okay, wait, like, where has God like uniquely called and gifted you? And as we talked about it, we talked about different, you know, ministry opportunities. And and one of them 
that I'd been a part of was leading worship on Sunday mornings. And I've led worship in smaller, uh, smaller group settings for, you know, 10 or 15 years, like, you know, leading just on keys or just on a guitar with a small group of people. I feel fairly comfortable doing that because I know G chords and I know how to use a capo. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> um, G, C, and E, that's all you yeah, ever yeah. need to know. <laughs> and, um, but on Sunday mornings, we were working with a band. And so you'd have, you know, four or five instruments that as the worship leader, I was supposed to direct. And because I've not taken music theory, because I've not practiced a lot of piano and guitar over the years, basically I just know some chords and I know like four, four time. And like, so like I can pick the Chris Prince Tomlin like six, song. Eight, you, I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm done. Yeah. It's like, you know, you come across yeah, a hill song and you're like, uh, this is four, four, right? And it's like, no, it's uh, it's actually three, four, six, eight. And you're like, ah, no. So we talked about it and he's like, what do you, what do you love most about that? And what do you feel like, you know, where, where do you feel most compelled by like, why you serve in that capacity? What interests you most? What are you most passionate about? Where do you feel you're most gifted? And I said, you know, I really love, um, you know, giving an exhortation to, you know, the body as we're gathered on a Sunday and encouraging them to direct their minds to the Lord, maybe reading a passage of scripture um, and then singing about that. And that's really awesome. And he's like, okay, time out. What I'm hearing you say is that you, you love and you feel called to spiritually lead people, like to direct them to the Lord, to use God's word and to even use music to point them to Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. And he's like, okay, but do you feel like it's supposed to be through music? Do you feel like, you know, that's where you're most effective? Um, and as I, as I thought about it, I was like, honestly, no. Like it stresses me out on mm. Sundays when I have to lead, especially when I'm trying to explain to somebody else how to play their instrument when I have no idea. Like, it's like, what's a semitone? <laughs> yeah. And like, I was like, how, wait, how many strings are on a bass guitar? Is there six or are there four? I don't know. Actually, it can be different. Okay. Well, like, I don't know other instruments. And, and even if I'm like playing keys and trying to tell the guitarist what to do, it's like, I can only do like, you know, lead strumming stuff when I play guitar. So if somebody mm -hmm. else needs to be doing something different, I have no clue how to tell them. And so it actually became this really clarifying moment in my life and kind of ministry at my church where... I ended up pulling back from leading worship on Sundays and focused more on teaching at our youth group. Um, and it was, you know, and it was more on leading a small group at our youth group and those sorts of moments where it was like what I feel most compelled to do. And I think that's a God given, like, you know, gift desired, you know, thing um, that became more of a focus. And I think, I think those sorts of conversations maybe are what you're getting after. Mm -hmm. Like you need that point of clarity where you're saying, okay, I've led the group of a hundred and I've led the group of five and I've done the one-on-one -on -one conversation and I've been in a business context and I've been in a nonprofit context and I've done this and I've done that, but where am I actually supposed to invest mm -hmm. my time and energy and passion? And, and, and obviously there's going to be seasons of life where God calls you to different things, but where are you going to, where are you going to focus all of that um, mm -hmm. right here, right now? So for me, that was a, that was a very pivotal moment. 
Yeah, that sounds like an incredible conversation. I was talking once with a friend of mine who, in a similar capacity, leading worship and whatnot, their leadership team at their church had a very similar conversation with all of the key volunteers from that church. And the conversation essentially boiled down to, hey, we love you all, love that you're serving, but let's reassess exactly what you're saying what it is that God has called you to do, because I think you're right. I think we live in a culture that says, do the next thing, do the next right thing. And more is more is more, especially in the church. And it's good to serve and it's good to give. And we know that we have gifts and talents for a reason and for even for edification of the body of Christ. And, and these are all good things. But again, we're all called to specific things and we're all created uniquely in that. And that was something that I really respected um, coming out of that conversation and what you're you're echoing here today is that we are called and equipped uniquely. And that is a really, really cool thing in a really creative way. I think that the Lord has created us um, each individually to give in that way. And so kind of coming away with the idea of don't don't miss what it is that God has for you because you're just chasing other opportunities, whether they look really cool mm, or it's just yep. the next thing that's easiest to do and whatnot. And it's not bad to experience because I think those things, especially when we don't maybe quite know exactly what it is or how it is we're gifted with or passionate about or what exactly we have to uniquely offer. I think those experiences are really, really valuable, but they have a way of adding kind of focusing the lens a little bit more. And the more you experience, the more that you kind of add those layers of focus, it, it does focus in a little bit more on that vision. But um, given that thought, a lot of our listeners are probably on the younger side of things. Maybe they haven't experienced a whole lot of different career paths and opportunities. Um, and, and maybe there's some opportunities, but, but just not enough. Just just because, you know, we're young and you just simply don't have as much time on this earth quite yet. Um, yeah. So given that, how do we find those opportunities? How do we start to hone in on what it is that God has created us to do? Like, like how do we go about doing that to even get to the point of the conversation where it says, okay, I have a little bit better understanding of how God has created me uniquely then how can I go out and do this? Like how how yeah. do we go about the lead up to that? So I think the most fundamental piece to all of this is faith. And what I mean by that is that you are prayerfully dependent and responsive to the Lord when you're considering different alternatives, different decisions, different places to go, things to do. So if somebody's listening and they're 15 or 20 years old, high school, college age, there's a plethora of opportunities that are available. Do I go to this school? Do I go to that school? Do I do this activity? Do I do that activity? What kind of friends do I pursue? You know, all these kinds of things, right? And I think praying through those things and seeking the Lord about, God, do you want me to go this way or that way? Does this seem wise? And applying those principles from scripture about, you know, okay, I've, I've already, you know, I'm already working a full-time job and I'm working, you know, and I'm taking 18 credit hours and there's this opportunity for 
an internship where I'm working another 10 hours. Should I do that? <laughs> like that might be just a wisdom thing where you're like praying through that and you realize, you know what? I'm already over capacity. I'm already feeling stressed. I'm already feeling like I have not been able to invest in my church community as much. I've not been able to love my younger siblings. Well, like maybe I will not take on yet another thing, but there's other times where, you know what? You have capacity and you should go do that thing. And you should be prayerful about that and, and seek the Lord. I think oftentimes, uh, I at least will kind of shortchange that process. Um, I'll assume that like, because I know the wisdom stuff generally well, like I can just make a decision before actually like literally praying about what's going on and God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to think and feel in response to this situation? And then now what, what action do you want me to take? Like, do you want me to participate in this way? Do you want me to serve here? Do you want me to apply for this job? I think that's a fundamental part of it. I think as you get older, um, that part stays engaged. Mm -hmm. So you're still praying through all those different situations and opportunities and so forth. But because you've experienced a lot more, you've experienced a lot more and you've had all these different opportunities for like, you know, those assessments we were talking about, like Clif Clifton Strength Finders and, you know, MBTI personality assessments. And, you know, are you a, are you a, what are you for Myers-Briggs? Do you know? Oh gosh. So it's changed a handful of times. Okay, I, well, the, the first one was ISTJ. ISTJ. Okay. I'm an ESFJ though. Some people think right I'm a T or F, but, um, but like those sorts of assessments can help you. Enneagram, uh, you know, it, it, those sorts of things can help you better understand where you're gifted, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. Um, so the combination of like experience combined with kind of, a, a you know, kind of self-reflection and, 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 you know, maybe it's other mentors that are looking at your life, friends that are looking at your life and saying, yes, I see you're strong in this area. I think this is maybe not this ideal spot. I think it, it's a discovery process. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, I don't necessarily, I don't, I cannot necessarily tell you how to get to the answer. Like in terms of what is the answer? I want the answer. Like, where am I supposed to be? Like, you know, a year from now, what school should I be going to? What, what job should I transition to? Like, should I sell this home and buy another? Like, I can't necessarily say what the decision is going to be at that mm -hmm. end point, but I can say that in the prayerful relating with God, relating with his people, there's a guiding, you mm -hmm. know, that he does. Like I, I was reading um, Psalm three last night um, with our, uh, with our middle schoolers at my church and, um, and there's this idea that, that David describes where he says, um, I call out to the Lord. This is Psalm three, verse four. I call out to the Lord and he answers me. Mm. And I asked, I asked the middle schoolers, I was like, is that, is that true? Like, mm -hmm. do you actually believe that? Do you believe that God actually moves in response to your prayer that he's going to guide you, that he's going to show you that he's going to to move you from where you are to where you need to be. And I think if we have faith and we believe that, then God's going to do that. He's going to show us um, where we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be investing. And, and ultimately, like we're talking about leadership here. If, if your goal is to follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus, then it's not about you having a certain position 
or certain responsibilities or in a certain season, you might be in a different position or in a different responsibility or in a different season than what you would even think is ideal. But if it's in the path of helping people follow Jesus, that's leadership. Mm -hmm. That's following the greatest leader in the way that he says you ought to lead. And so I think part of it too is just the path of obedience and that's the path of faith. Absolutely. I love that. And I think sometimes we tend to overcomplicate the whole idea. And for me, it's boiled down to what am I called to do? I'm called to ultimately love God and love others. And if that's the lens through which we're filtering these through, that is going to help bring clarity. And that's going to give you a starting point and a jumping off point. And exactly like you said, we can absolutely bank on the fact that God will answer. God will be faithful. He will always be faithful and true. And we don't have to believe it to see it. Uh, we don't have to believe it and see it um, in order for it to be true. Well, we do have to believe it. But just that idea of that is what faith is. But our belief doesn't make right. it so. Right. It's, it's not, an affirmation that it's It's an so. affirmation um, that God is still faithful and it's not dependent upon us. Um, so believing and having faith without seeing. Um, and that is what faith is. And and I think just having faith in the fact that, yeah, God is con- is absolutely going to answer. Like you said, um, that's a great scripture. I love that you brought that up. But um, I think that about <laughs> that about wraps it up for today. But is there one final thing that you would leave our listeners with um, as far as a next step? Because you talked a lot about how, you know, snowball effect, and it can take just one, one little step, one little thing. And as long as there is motion, that leads to more motion. So is there one yeah. actionable thing that you can give our listeners right, right here, right now, um, just to say this, this is a step. This isn't your answer necessarily yeah. for where, where you're going, what God is calling you to do um, in a super specific sense, but this is a step. Yeah. I do have an answer for that. And as a part of the answer, I want to kind of look ahead to our coming episodes in this series. So a couple of topics, uh, I think the next two topics we're going to be addressing are the character of a leader and the competency of a leader. And uh, I got this kind of uh, this balance between these two uh, from a book called uh, called Missing Voices by Dr. John Johnson. And he talks about how to be a successful leader, to actually move people to where they need to be and to do that in a way that's effective, you have to have the kind of character that people respect and you have to have the kind of skills or competency that people will respect and follow. And so I want to get into that a little bit more with some of these conversations we're going to be having uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, but to answer the question for this episode, is there one thing from this conversation you could use as a takeaway? I'll go back to Psalm 3 as I was reading it last night. The first two verses of the psalm, this is David running from his son Absalom when he's trying to take over the kingdom. And David literally just describes to God what's going on. He says, God, there's a bunch of people after me. They're running after me. There's a lot of them and they're threatening my life. And they're saying there's no salvation in God. 
And it struck me in a new way that my prayers often lack just the description of what's going on in my day and then how I'm feeling about that. And then asking God to show up and save me in that situation and, and, and fulfill his promises to me and, 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 and supply my every need. Oftentimes I shortchange that because I think God already knows that today was a hard day. God already knows that this thing mm. happened. And so what I would encourage people to do, and this, this, this is totally in line with what we're talking about with, you know, the idea of faith is talk to God, pray to God, bring this up to God, say, God, right now I'm in this kind of position. How could I lead in this position? Like right now it's hard because I don't work well with, with these people, but I work really well with these people. Or I, I really don't like the company that I work for. I'd really like to work for this company or, you know, God, I really want to be going to school in this state, but right now I'm just going to this community college at home. Like talk to God about that, like bring that before the Lord and in faith, believing that he will answer you like he answered David, ask him to save, ask him to supply, ask him to meet you right there. And he will. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Team Packed Podcast. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.